0: Thank you everyone who's already joined. Our speaker, Ken, is already here and the moderator for this conversation will be Mokaya.
1: Thank you, Becky. Welcome. We should tell you a little bit about Mwango Capital. So we have these Twitter spaces every Friday. We found us investors and management teams. We bring them here to explain the challenges, the opportunities that they see in their spaces. Every Saturday morning, you wake up to a very nice thread of reads that people have done. And every Sunday, we also send out a newsletter that covers the main business news from East Africa. We want to be your lead place where you can get information about investments in East Africa. We do analysis also, uh, research. We have a premium channel where we channel some of the key analysis that we've done in the market. Follow us on Twitter. Do share our content. You can also join our Telegram group. Today we are really happy to have Ken. Last month we hosted the CEO of Centum and he talked about a lot of the subsidiaries. If you do not know Centum well, Centum is an investment company that has a lot of companies that they own. And one of the companies that they own is Vipingo. We get to know a lot about them today. So we'll get to uh, speak about Ken. We'll start with the personal a little bit and then delve deeper into his story to joining Vipingo and Centum, and now where he is, and we'll also get to deep dive into the developments they're having at the cost, uh, and the many other projects that they're doing under the same development. So without further ado, let me introduce Ken. Ken Karibusana, I know you just landed today from Uganda in another project you have. You'll also tell us a bit more about that. You get us started, tell us uh, who's Ken and what do
0: you do? Thank you, Eric, and uh, thank you, Risanas. Thank you for sacrificing your Friday evening. My name is Ken Mbae. I'm the Managing Director of Vipingo Development, the Rajas centum subsidiary by the asset size. I run two projects, Vipingo Development at the coast, and now Palmarina Project in Uganda. Vipingo is a, a mixed-use development set on 10,000 acres at the Kenyan coast. It's located between Kirifi and Mombasa. We've done the first phase of the development, some 550 units. We started construction at early 2019. We finished the project uh, three months ahead of schedule, uh, though through COVID. All the units are sold out, and we are doing a second phase of that project. We are also developing a shopping mall. We finished developing a seawater desalination plant. In fact, the largest in sub-Saharan Africa, producing uh, 3 million liters of water per day. We are developing a cashew nut factory. In summary, what we do there is we are simplifying how you invest in real estate. We are taking out the headache from uh, developers. We provide you with a construction-ready project with approvals, with with a certainty of title, and we take the read role in making sure that your project is executed. In summary, that is uh, what we are doing in Vipingo. And we started in 2019 perfect So before we delve deep into vipingo tell us
1: about the major steps in your career so far what led you to vipingo to be now and what's the
0: journey there thank you i've worked for centum now 11 years and some months i joined centum in 2010 as an intern straight from campus i was assigned to run the parking lot with the ceo's driver we would charge cars parking go bank the money And from there, I I, I moved to the office. I became a real estate analyst doing all manner of research around Nairobi. I I went up, became an associate, went to Uganda to assist setting up Palm Marina, then came back to Kenya. Then Two Rivers was still under under construction. I I, I read the process of setting up the mall management and eventually read the team uh, that completed construction of the mall. I became uh, the acting deputy MD of Athena Properties, which is the development and project management that was doing all these projects. And back in 2018, I requested uh, the group CEO, James Moria, for an opportunity to go and and set up Vipingo, which was basically a size of plantation. We put together a business case and a five-year plan. We got the approval on Monday, 28th, May 2018 to set up offices on the ground. We moved with one of my colleagues to set it up. And from there on, the project has grown from uh, just SISO to having 550 units, a desarination plant, a mall. Now the NAV is $15 billion, and the development rights or cash mobilized from the project is north of uh, $6 billion. That's my journey in summary. In your journey, what do you think makes for a successful person in real estate development? I think what it takes to be successful uh, in real estate development or in any field, because uh, once you get out of school, all of you are qualified to, to do the work. Is one, having a positive attitude and the ability to take risk and create. Personally, I think I'm more of a business person who can uh, spot an opportunity and create a solution that addresses a market need, but also the aspect of getting things done. Most of us have ideas how it can be done. Few get things done from uh, creation to execution. So if you have that capability, then you tend to move. And the other thing is to deal with insecurities. I'm relatively young and our team is also very young. So there is the insecurities of feeling inexperienced. But if you can address that insecurity and just uh, focus on getting things done, then you're okay. And rastery is if you can get additional skill set outside of what you normally are comfortable or trained on. My university training was in biochemistry. Now I work with architects, engineers, and many other experts in the field of uh, real estate. So if you get an additional skill set, will help you move uh, far. I'm
1: pretty curious about the day you walked up to Moria with the plan for Vipingo. What do you think convinced him to fund the project?
0: When the RAND was acquired in 2015, I was assigned the role of a project manager to just coordinate the value creation process. That is getting the master plan approved, getting the feasibility studies done, getting the team working together to deliver on the objectives that were set then. But I, I thought I understood that business very well. And I could see the opportunity, though not clearly. I could see, given the research we were doing, all the research the team was doing and I was reading, the town of Mombasa had uh, congestion. rent prices were getting high. And everyone was moving north. So from Tuapa going up, if you... Back in 2015, if you counted, there were more than 15 factories between where the size of plantation starts and Mutoapa. So there was a demand. And then I would see, and from the research and the team, that whatever we did at Vipingo, even if it's a subdivision scheme or a minor development, there would be demand given the market trend then. So based on all those inputs, we put together a very simple and straightforward business case to execute. And I think given that, previously had executed and delivered and got things done, maybe it took the benefit of doubt with the board to just uh, test and see what happens. The beauty with sent term. you get to to get these opportunities. My, myself, the team around, create things from scratch.
1: This is pretty impressive that you were able to create a kind of um, billion shillings investment at a young age like that because real estate pro, um, projects have pretty long term. So you need to break them down maybe to -to day-to-day practices which can help you achieve those long-term goals. And then tell us, what does the MD of a real estate development company do? What would be a typical week and how does a project look like usually?
0: Thank you for that. I will use two examples. I will use a residential project and maybe the normal subdivision or or sale of roads that uh, everyone does in the market. If you're doing a residential project, uh, there are three stages. There's the pre-development stage, there's the development stage, and then there's the project grocer stage. The pre-development stage is really where you have an hypothesis, there's demand for apartments or there's demand for bungalows or there's demand for villas in a given market. And then you do your research. You put together a team, architects, engineers, uh, quantity surveyors, EIA experts to develop the concept for you, i.e. you can say I need a 200-square-meter bungalow, four-bedroom with a DSQ. I need my maximum construction cost to be, let me use a round figure, 3 million shillings. I'll sell it for 6 million shillings. And you task the team to do the, the design, the costing. At the same time, I'm assuming you've already secured the parcel. You move to the stage where you get approvals, both NEMA and, and the county approval and then you move to the stage where now you you cost and verify that your business case works then if the business case works we assume you want to test the market that there is someone who is interested in buying you try and sell it and see will people buy at six million will they buy at eight million so that's the pre-development stage then assuming you tick you get the design you get someone to buy an indication of the market, you do your tender process, and you proceed to the construction stage, engage a contractor, cross your funding, both your equity and debt, and then assuming the construction period of that project takes six months or one year, there are different milestones that should be achieved. Foundation, structure, finishes, procurement and coordination. And then once you finish construction, you need to get paid if you are selling the unit. You need to get paid in full. You need to do the transfers to the purchaser. You need to pay taxes and wind up the, the whatever development you are doing. So that's a typical summary of a, a residential project. But then I can I write: if you are doing development rights, I have one acre in a prime location, I have the change of use, I have all the approvals. But I take the idea: if I subdivide into seven. I can sell them at a premium and and, and make some margins. And if I put in some infrastructure, water, power, it will be attractive to developers. So the process would be to get that scheme approved at the county. You need to engage your your surveyor. You need to engage your master planner. You also need to get all the approvals and engage power and infrastructure companies to do that for you. Then you move to the stage where you're selling, and you move to the stage where you are handing over the transfers. That would be a typical journey for real estate development of whatever nature. Now, the day-to-day operations of an MD, the critical role of the MD is the strategy, execution, and the vision. Once you get your business plan approved by the shareholders, and in this case, once my business plan is approved by the shareholder centum, We move to execution. All these projects require funding, both equity and debt. The projects that are under construction require to move as per the milestones on the program. And the contractors need to be paid as per the interim valuations that are coming in. New projects need to be set up uh, so that you have a sustainable business where you're generating cash in, cash out. You also need to think about how you're becoming competitive and who you're competing at again. My day is spent on planning, focusing on things that will have the maximum impact on the business, and more of thinking. Because at the end of the day, shareholders need to be paid a dividend or a reward at the end of the year. So the focus is just to make sure that you generate enough cash flow and excess uh, liquidity so at, at the end of the year you're able to pay your dividends I Have a capable team and a team of experts that support us i don't know if i've answered or explained what my day-to-day operation is that's
1: an impressive explanation i think uh, that it suffices if you look at that entire process what's the timeline usually maybe you can anchor that to Vipingo. In terms of where are you in the different stages and perhaps also speak about the the pain points in this process in real estate development or sales that you maybe have seen or wish you had known before as you go into real estate development, given
0: the long life cycle of these projects. Okay. Uh, Just to be practical, the pre-development stage is uh, three to six months, given the size of the project. So in a month, you can do your concept and business case you submit your designs to the county and they will take between 60 to 90 days to get you up, during which this time you advance your design development. You also do your sales if it's a residential project or if it's a commercial project, you do your pre-rating and you target to achieve 30% and to get as much customer input into that process, you finish your design tender and securing approvals and also getting your funding crossed that will take six months. Then you do construction. Typically, uh, construction of a project will take between 12 to 18 months. So you have an 18-month program of construction. Then uh, post that, you have a project closure. So after 18 months, you finished your project. You then need another 6 to 12 months to get fully paid and close the project. So in total, a period of 30 to 36 months uh, from the inception to completion of the project and to getting out all the cash. Now, speaking to the challenges that you experience on a day-to-day uh, basis and how we can address them, one, the key pain point is statutory approvals. They may take 60 days, they could take 90, and they could take one year. So if we are a one-stop solution where you walk to NEMA. County and all government agencies and secure those approvals. It would really simplify the process. The other process that is quite a pain point is funding, specifically securing affordable uh, debt funding. Uh, the delays in crossing the project funding that that, that is not necessarily for the Centum Group. But I think it's an industry-wide challenge. Then the other pain point is technology. I think we're still using traditional construction approach. This has been used since uh, the discovery of construction. If our own uh, contractors could find a new technology where you deliver quicker, faster, then developers are able to finish projects on time and they recover their capital and profits quickly. The other process that is really a pain point is a trance. I know there is a digitization of the registry, but that, that process of a transfer or completing acquisition takes time. And, and that is why you unrock your funding. That is why you unrock your capital from. If that is simplified, then that would help. Then the last one, which I think of, is data. Actually, the real estate market in Kenya is sort of translucent to opaque. There is no data around uh, pricing, demand, supply. If we have data around that, then it would be very easy to to make some of the decisions and move quicker.
1: A quick question there, especially in terms of valuations, because real estate projects, as you say, they can be pretty opaque. What are the key aspects that you look for in terms of data that feed into your valuation model? So that then you can come up with, this is the price we're going to charge for this house, especially under real estate development.
0: So basically, the... The simplest way is to engage our borrowers, but I, I'll go to the stage of what borrowers will take into consideration. Of course, they will take into consideration what is happening in that uh, neighborhood. If there are any transactions that have happened there and at what price, which is difficult to determine, but there also grand use. There could be a house, yes, maybe it's on a single dwelling unit. But the current use is that of rand has gotten a multiple user, meaning that you can develop several stories up, which means the the value is uh, significantly higher. But I think that would be the basis of uh, the valuation and drastically the location. Why is this Passover land? And then the pricing is done. If it's a cash generating asset, then you can value based on the revenue they are generating but the data uh, is not readily available in the market as it is in developed markets. All right, how does the state of the real estate market in Kenya right now look like, especially under Corona? The best part about Kenya, which I think everyone who is listening will agree with me, everyone is a developer and everyone is a real estate expert. But this is driven because everyone can see an opportunity to address a market gap, meaning I can construct apartments, and address a gap where there is a demand for rentals. What is racking in the market is a serious sort of developer who can take out the headache of all these other developers and just give them a return. Let me use a classic example. Most of the people who are involved in real estate development are chasing a return. And they are doing that because they can do it cheaper and faster and they take the headache. But if there was a large-scale developer or a credible developer who would then take that headache, develop at a reasonable competitive price, and deliver on time, most of the people who are then developers might become their customers. And that is where I see the opportunity to organize the market. In terms of corona, I think the entire supply chain was uh, disrupted. But the developers who never stopped to develop or put alternative contingency measures are still ahead of the curve and the demand is there. The market is speaking and we can see our cash corrections are even higher than what it was even before the pre-corona period.
1: All right, now we can switch a little bit to the Vipingo itself.
0: Um, What's the business model of Vipingo? Vipingo, we are simply a master developer who avails development rights to other developers. We take time to de-risk the project. We secure approvals. We do extensive market studies to determine the demand and prepare business cases for various projects. We've ensured that we have the certainty of uh, titles. We've engaged the community. We've engaged key stakeholders. And if you are a developer seeking to set up in uh, the coast region, it will be quicker, easier, and you'll get a higher return if you set up at Vipingo than any other location. Because all the key steps that would take most of your time have been addressed. So when you come to a development, you just focus on your core business. Example, if you are developing a factory, you don't need to spend time looking for approvals. You don't need to spend time looking for your infrastructure. That has already been taken care of. So when you come in, within a few months, you can start construction and go straight to your manufacturing business. So ideally, we are one stop per shop for all your real estate needs.
1: All right. In terms of segments, I know they sent them, they sent them, re- then there's Vipingo. Who owns who? And what are the shareholding there? Like, what can you map out for us what the different companies do here?
0: So, Vipingo Development is a subsidiary of Centum Real Estate. Centum Real Estate is the portfolio holding company of uh, the real estate businesses that is Vipingo, uh, uh, Palmarina in Uganda, and the other projects in Kenya, like Cascadia, which is under Uhuru Heights Limited. And Diva Bank, which is a apartment project at Two Rivers, and the other JV projects. And then uh, Centum Real Estate is our own subsidiary of Centum Investment. We are subsidiary of Centum Real Estate.
1: Very complex. With the Uhuru, I think it was in the news this week that they are taking up a loan. So then where do those loans end up? Are they like then tied to Vipingo? The if they default, do you also pay or something like that? So how do they loans and the debt work within this kind of structure?
0: The the, the way these businesses are structured, they they are independent uh, companies with independent uh, board. There's a board of Centre Real Estate, and then there's a board of Vipingo Development. And within Vipingo, there are various project SPVs that, that undertake different projects. And that central real estate centum development Kenya, where Huru Heights would be, there is Huru Heights is an SPV that is undertaking Cascadia project just to sort of answer, and that project is funded by a mix of equity and debt, and those projects are commercially viable, and I don't think there is any recourse to centum, centum real estate.
1: I think the complex structure is what strikes other people as odd because like, uh, I think as an investment company you own and then they're independent companies at the same time. Uh, you own them, yet they're independent and they can take up debt without recourse and sometimes with recourse. Uh, so perhaps that explanation also suffices to help so that you can a bit disentangle some of the companies from
0: each other. Don't you think so? Yes, you ring fence each project and the viability of these projects sort of independent. So the, like, A hourly project, you would uh, raise debt, raise equity, develop the project, sell, get paid all the units, pay the debt holders, pay everyone and pay dividends.
1: The end goal maybe for Vipingo then, is it like at the end you hand over the entire project or sell off all the units and then you're gone? What's the long term goal for Vipingo itself?
0: The long-term goal of Vipingo is we have 10,000 acres. What we've developed on is less than 50 acres. So Vipingo is a 40, 50-year project. The development rights we've sold, maybe 2,000 acres or thereabouts. So we have 8,000 acres left. Our shareholders are in the business of creating businesses and then exiting them to other investors. So as we carry on, maybe our shareholders will then exit but the business will carry on with the process of real estate development and using development to achieve the highest economic use for that around. You say 8,000 acres are yet to be developed, right?
1: Yes. Okay, and of the 50 that you've developed, everything has been sold. That's what you said at the beginning, if I got it correctly.
0: Yes, actually everything has been sold and close to 95% is fully paid. What we have receivable bond is a less than 5%. We are now focusing on starting the second phase of all these projects.
1: And what does the second phase mean here?
0: Just to go project by project. When we started with nothing, we developed residential, both apartments and, and, and villas, to determine is there a demand for residential in Vipingo, and if there is a demand at what price and how deep is the market. Initially, when we were starting at 2018, 2019, our idea and given the market study we had done, had stated that the demand is 100 units per year and the absorption would be 33 units. So we designed a first phase of 110 apartments and our target was to sell 30% 33 apartments and begin construction. We launched the project and within the first week we'd sold 110 units. And then we grew the project to 220, then went to 330, and then 440, and figured out that's a fast-deriver and uh, have a credible track record. So the demand was uh, greater than what we had anticipated. But also that residential component has helped us uh, address a key question in the industrial component, where the project has an industrial base, but the, the question was, from industrialists or those uh, business owners, where will my workers, senior level management, mid-level management stay? So with our residential component, part we've addressed where the workers at the industrial park our the development will stay. And then as we were doing this residential, we established that shopping in Vipingo is, previously it was a three, four hour affair. You drive from Vipingo to Nyali, You shop at Nyali Center or or City Mall uh, for an hour, and then you drive back another hour. That is when the supermarkets in Mtoapa were crossed. So we came up with a commercial mall, got an investor who is uh, developing it. We sold the development rights there. And the answer is uh, to address the demand within Vipingo and the additional demand we've generated from our residential units. Why I'm speaking to all this is we've established there is a demand for residential units. So if you are a residential developer and, and you're looking to develop in Mombasa, then Vipingo is ideal for you because you know the price, you know there is a demand. So we've addressed that. We've also addressed that in the industrial component. And that's why we have the first phase of the water desalination and a question at a factory coming up.
1: Yeah, we'll talk about that cash in at factory a little bit later. But what's the terms for purchasing a unit now in some of the projects that you're working on and and maybe the ones that you've completed?
0: When we started, the terms of purchase were quite easy. It was 10% on signing the rate of offer, 10% on signing the sale agreement. The balance payable either monthly or quarterly during construction. Construction was 18 months. And by the time we finished the project, you should have uh, sort of paid in full to allow transfer. Uh, that has now changed. For the projects uh, that are complete, is a uh, 20% deposit. Then the balance you pay on transfer, but we have different payment plans so that you pay us by 31st uh, March, which our financial year end for the projects.
1: So speaking of, essentially of synergies, because Centum is... an um company with a lot of companies and one of them is Cidian Bank and you are selling and people need financing so are you offering the people buying from you any financing options say at Cidian Bank to create a kind of synergies across these companies that Centum own?
0: Yes we are creating synergies with the group but also availing those opportunities elsewhere. You've seen Centum Real Estate has partnered with various banks with Actually, all the banks to offer mortgages, CDN included, we've negotiated the terms, we've negotiated uh, the process. So when we have a purchaser who is uh, looking for a financing need, we give you the price list from different banks, uh, the terms, and then now the bank pre-qualifies you for the renting process. But that has really simplified the home ownership. And for us, it's worked because it simplified the process of us getting paid and uh, getting back our capital.
1: Maybe then at this point, then you can speak a bit about the cash flow cycle of such a project, because I know that it's also a lot of upfront costs that come maybe that you need to do maybe in the pre-development stage, also capital commitments you need to make. How does the cash flow of this business look like within the period of a project? When do the cash flows come in and when do the cash flows go out? And then when approximately do you usually expect to break even?
0: Our business model is is to address a market need. And for us to address that market need in any uh, product category, we try and establish what the demand is. So we develop what I would call a minimum viable product. So if I use the apartment as a case, if we do our market study and find that there is a demand for Apartments, say a one-bedroom apartment priced at three million or two million shillings, and we work backwards on our business case and find that our total cost of developing should be one million, so that you can make some margin. We go to the design process, we put together a team that we align that we first need to have a product that we engage the market and establish if there is a demand and people are willing to pay for it. So we balance our cash outflow. So it means during the pre-development stage, most of us and the project team will not spend as much cash flow until we have validated the project. The bulk of the cash input is during construction when the project is under execution and part of it during closure when we've completed the project and we've been paid we've gotten into arrangements with our partners the design team the contractor or well, now we match our cash inflow to the cash outflow and, uh, and, and and we minimize on our cash expense at the onset before the project is validated so i would say maybe 10% uh percent during construction and and and, and then uh, 20% post completion
1: what happens in Clients are not able to pay up maybe the full price. What's, what's the recourse that you have here?
0: First, we've done very flexible and affordable payment plans, which are between 18 to 24 months of uh, making payments. So we found that most of our customers, 90% have complied with that. Then we've also organized funding. After the project is finished, then you can get mortgage. And because we have a number of projects, we have uh, Awali, which is 13 to 17 million. These are bank machinates. We have apartments priced between 2.5 to 4.6 million. And we have plots. So if you're stuck within one product, we can then move you to another product offering. So our customer retention has been sort of 100%, even with those who are finding any uh, challenges.
1: In terms of accounting, How do you guys account for these projects pre-development and then you're in the uh, development phase and then towards maybe at the end when you're also handing over? When do you recognize it as inventory, a sale, an income? Because that can also help people also break down the balance sheet of a real estate company like yours.
0: We have a criteria. We've sold and recognized that as revenue. That project should have come. We should have met the buyer's criteria in full meaning the project is complete, we've been paid in full, we've transferred the, the house to the homeowner. So there is no uh, recourse to us should the homeowner change their mind. So the only point we we recognize our revenue is when we've met all the conditions of the sale. We finished construction, the owner has paid us in full, they have signed the handover checklist, and they have taken possession of the unit, and they have registered that unit in their name.
1: Interesting one. So then if you could speak a little bit maybe about the returns so far in some of the projects you've already done and what your target returns are on some of these projects that are under completion also. Our,
0: our, our return is arranged to, the, to Centum Group, which is a idea and the investment company. We fund We fund the projects with a mix of equity, debt, and uh, customer deposits. Our funds, our return, what we basically focus on is to finish the project quicker and get paid in full quicker. So if if, if the project is finished, say, in 12 months, and by 18 months you've been paid in full, your return IRR is uh, higher. If your project delays and it's finished after 24 months and then you're paid after 36 months, profile uh, reduces significantly, and then also the funding mix to ensure that we optimize our funding mix so that we are we are not utilizing more of debt and then you that debt the in the interest during construction and the rest takes the bulk of your return so just to answer. Without giving the specifics on the numbers, that is what we At this point, you can ask
1: people if you have any questions regarding real estate, regarding Pingo development. Post your questions. Below the pinned tweet, we have a, a running thread there that you can post your questions below, and then we can try and answer them. Now, I think we'll come back to Ken. Maybe you can speak to us a little bit about the uh, one billion blue processing factory uh, that is using modular technology. How is that going?
0: The factory is set up within our industrial park. It's really a partnership between the Pingo development and some investors in the food processing industry. Just like I mentioned, we take the headache of developers. We took the role of getting them approvals, getting the project set up and simplifying the process of uh, investing. As you might know, cashew nuts grow between 0 to 1,500 meters above sea level. Uh, and the best region to grow cashew nuts is the coast region. I think in the 80s and 70s, there was a factory in Kirifi that uh, served that region. And it was creating thousands of employment opportunities. The second thing is in Kenya, you cannot export uh, raw cashew nuts. You cannot export unprocessed nuts. So there is the opportunity to value add and create an impact on the supply chain. The harvest period of cashew nuts in Kenya is between October through to February. So that is the period when you get your cashews from the farmers and you can process. So this factory, the reason the investor is using modular technology is to ensure that the factory is finished by November so that this year they can set up and start buying and processing the cashew nuts. The processing capacity is 6,000 tons per year which is quite uh, significant. And we expect that the factory will create, in the first phase, 400 jobs, but when it's fully operational, 1,000 jobs.
1: So maybe something else that you're doing as the LPG storage terminal, which there was a court case about. How's the progress on the court case?
0: So it's the same feedback. This is in partnership with investors who have a acquired development rights from us. We took the process of securing approvals, getting the project set up. There were a few challenges, but those have been addressed now. The project should start in the course of uh, this year. The impact will be significant. I think the prices of cooking gas might come down, and there will be variety. in And
1: will you pipe LPG to the residents?
0: Yes, the, the, the factory is basically to... to to set up not just for Vipingo, but to supply the entire country and beyond. But within our projects, there is that centralized gas system and reticulation to each unit.
1: I'm curious about financing for these side projects, like the LPG. How do you go about that, you And also maybe something about the ring fencing. For ring fencing to work, I suppose the project have to be registered as individual companies or can you just say that the project is ring fenced in that sense just in the contract without that being a separate entity
0: so for us these projects the industrial projects are with the uh, investors the investors have acquired development rights from us but given that we are not selling land we are selling an investment product we have uh, a list of obligations that we meet for these investors I.e., we get the approvals, we get the project, we help with the project setup. So these are third party projects funded by different investors. Our role there, in simple terms, is we've sold development rights or rent to to the investors.
1: Uh And about the ring fencing, how can you explain that a little bit?
0: For the ring fencing, let me let me give an example with apartments projects. The apartments are on ten acres parcel. That parcel of land is a part of a bigger chunk of land. The development is undertaken by SPV Palm Ridge Development. That Palm Ridge Development owns now the risk to the ten acres. The project raises funds specific to fund that project. The securities, if there is any debt in it, and uh, you need to charge the title. You don't charge the entire uh, title, which is, say, 1,000 acres. The bank or whoever is funding has an interest on just the 10 acres. So in case the project uh, doesn't work out, the exposure is not on the bigger development. And same as funding, the funding is specific for the project most of our projects are, and Centum group have been successful. So in the IRI and Rikri event, the project is not successful, then there is no impact on the other developments. That is what I mean by ring fencing.
1: There is a question that has come through from Don here, who says, what is the long term plan for the remaining
0: 8,000 acres and what other industries are set up? Thank you, Don, for that question. Bipingo is a master plan. Uh, the entire 8,000 acres is master plan with various uses, uh, residential, commercial, industrial. So depending on the use and the demand various developers will have, they, they will get the portion within the, the approved use. The industries that will be set up in Vipingo are right to medium manufacturing, focusing on FMCG, packaging, construction related but we'll not really have heavy manufacturing, which is like steel or other industries. And then we're housing because industries tend to set themselves in clusters, where one industry is producing raw materials for the other. So like our where our, our deserenation plant is, around the cluster there is water or juice or industries that really have a demand for water. So at the water from our disintegration is a raw material for, say, a juice maker or or a soda manufacturer in that case. Then around the cashew nut, you'll find packaging, processing, warehouses within that setup.
1: Maybe something I should have started with is to ask how are the unit sizes, especially if some of the projects like Palm Ridge and Awali, what's the cost there so that if someone is interested in terms of maybe purchasing some of these units so they can be able to contact you guys.
0: Okay, thank you for that. In Awali, we have a mash on it. So I'll start with a bigger one. It's three bedroom with a DSQ sitting on eighth of an acre. The price is uh, 17 million. The size is 210 square meters. We have a bungalow, three bedroom with a DSQ, still sitting on eighth of an acre. The price is uh, 13 million. It's 155 square palm ridge, given the price point. Uh, three bedroom is uh, 75 square meters and the price is 4.6 million initially we started at 4 million and ended up at 4.6 so investors they have made 15% return a two bedroom is 3.5 million 60 square meters one bedroom is 2.5 million 45 square meters spacious with parking swimming pool kids play area and, and spacious gardens Actually, it should be a case study on affordable housing.
1: Maybe you can speak of what makes Vipingo a ideal location for this kind of development and why would people want to live there? Perhaps you can speak about the location, the facilities around, and has it also generated a, a bit of interest from other people maybe to uh, start constructing near your development also? What has the impact been?
0: So so our impact has been significant. I think Vipingo is largely quiet. It's attractive for a number of reasons. From a connectivity point, there is an airstrip right next to us. There are two daily flights from Nairobi-Wilson via safari ring. You are practically 45 minutes away from Nairobi and any other part of the world uh, if you are connecting. There are two flights per day to Vipingo. And from the airstrip, you just walk home. It's a walking distance. Then there is multiple connection. You can come from, say, you are a manufacturer with materials from the port. You can use Marindi-Mombasa Highway, or you can use the new bypass. You drive up on uh, Nairobi-Mombasa Road, you turn Mazeras, you go to Karoreni, and then to Mavueni and join back Marindi-Mombasa Highway. It takes one hour, 30 minutes. Also, if you're flying from uh, Nairobi to The airport in Mombasa, you can use both roads. If you're also flying from Nairobi to to Marindi, there's another point of connectivity there. Also, if you're using SGR, there's another point of connectivity. And by the sea, it's also accessible. The other thing is uh, the, the, the transit corridor from Bagamoyo in Tanzania all the way to the Ramu port that is being upgraded. There is a scheduled upgrade and I've seen government announce that that road will be a a dual carriage and construction will start any time before end of the year. Once that section is done, the drive from Vipingo to Mombasa will be 20 minutes. And whether you're staying in Nyadi or in Vipingo, traffic will start at the same point at the bridge. So that will simplify the travel time to Mombasa. But today, given the constraint of water, infrastructure, and, and, and land, the most cost effective place to get a good location is Vipingo. And you have infrastructure to the port boundary to home. Cabro to your home, water running through your tap. The 3 million liters water desalination plant guarantees reliable water connection, and then amenities that families will uh, enjoy swimming pool, kids' play area within a gated community with a 24-hour security. It's become a top location for people who work in Mombasa and Chile.
1: Well, Also, you do have the one megawatt solar farm within the development. So You could tell us a bit about the plan for the solar farm, because uh, it's part of maybe the sustainability efforts. Generally, there's a kind of a move towards solar energy around the country also. As various companies have announced such initiatives. Do you intend that the entire development is uh, leaked by the solar farm itself? What's the plan around that?
0: Our our plan around the master plan and the development control is to encourage as much as possible incorporation of sustainability. That is from power, water, to even the technology and the methodology you use in construction. I will speak specifically on solar around desalination. We are producing water, and this is an energy-intensive process of converting seawater to drinking water. 50% of your cost is essentially power. And what we are trying to do is uh, use solar to supplement our power and reduce the cost. We produce our water during the day and then pump that water during the day. And then the surplus water is stored. Our energy storage form is uh, processed water. What that will do, is it will reduce our cost of water which means people within Vipingo and, and environs will get water at a rate that is cheaper than anywhere else, and they will also get water reliably and sustainably. And in the future, the cost of uh, residing in Vipingo will not be much. Then in Awali, we've done a scheme where most of the homeowners have installed a rooftop solar within their homes, and they are really independent from the grid. It means the cost of uh, running the homes there is uh, significantly reduced. And the other element of sustainability is uh, water recycling. So all this uh, water we are using, we are also doing a second step of recycling the same water and using that for irrigation. As you might know, Bipingo is quite hot, but with the new landscaping and what we are doing there around sustainability, we are sort of creating a new microclimate. Tell
1: us a bit about uh, Palmarina.
0: Palmarina is a centum project in Uganda on the shores of Lake Victoria just in Garuga Peninsula. It's eight kilometers from Kampara and Tebe Express Road. We are developing a mixed-use uh, residential and hospitality destination. The first phase of the project is done which is anchored on residential. Some uh, high-end villas that are priced at a million dollars Some also high-end, not but not as high, Viras that are priced at uh, $300,000 and uh, 400 apartments that are between $40,000 to uh, $200,000. And then we have a commercial center that is coming up and a marina development. The business case and business model is similar to what we are doing in Vipingo.
1: When you compare the two markets, especially Uganda and
0: Kenya, what do you see in terms of the real estate markets there? There is demand in Uganda. There is a market gap in terms of time. We also introduced the aspect of payment plan and off-plan sales, which is not typical in that market. And that has seen our project in terms of market validation being successful. We are on track to deliver on most of the projects we've set up. The first phase was done and people are occupying those homes but I see the demand there is specifically on a more high end market than what is in Kenya, given that the, the project is on the shores of Lake Victoria and the shoreline has not been capitalized as, as much as the Kenyan coastline. If
1: you compare them to the pricing that you have on the units in Vipingo, how does that other pricing look like? Now, the
0: pricing is higher. So, like, we have Vira's that are at a million dollars. That's 106, 110 million Kenya shillings. They are Vira's at that $300,000, that's $30 million. And even a comparable one bedroom unit is at $45,000, $45, which is maybe 4.8 million shillings. So the price point is higher and the market is, is keen, and most of the products are actually sold out. Pretty interesting. Uh, Ugandans
1: richer than the Kenyans now that the pricing is a bit higher. And they've already taken off
0: all the units that are available. No, I think it's the upright in the market. Kenyans, we have many developers, and that, that side part of the market has been addressed. What is uh, not effectively addressed, I think, is the affordable market here. But maybe even the market there will move in the similar stage.
1: Do you feel like we have too many projects running in Kenya, maybe targeted at the high end and not maybe
0: the middle to the lower end? I'll I'll use the data that is available. Uh, The statistics I've seen from government, from various bodies, is there is a market gap of around 500,000 units. And these units are basically on the affordable segment. That is the market that is there now. That is the opportunity. I think the other markets have been addressed. But the beauty with our projects is we do market validation before starting construction so that we don't do a product that the market is not interested in.
1: Do you see yourself maybe going for the affordable
0: segment uh, since it's unaddressed and untapped? Yes, yes. We'll go where the market is. Our is to address a market.
1: Okay. In terms of Vipingo, what's its contribution say to the NAV of Centum and uh, Centum Ring? And maybe how would you go about valuing Vipingo as a company itself?
0: Use the rate test, the, just the, the audited results that are in the current financial report. The Vipingo NAV there is a 15B, and the contribution to the profitability of or cash contribution to Centum real estate from the cross land sales or development right sales was a crossed 1 billion for the last financial year. You'd value the, the project based on the completed unit and also the bulk land rights or development rights that are within Vipingo. So you'd value the, the, entire, the development rights that are available within the entire 8,000 acres and the profit contribution for the projects and under construction, but specifically the ones that have been completed and I've met the end of all income recognition uh, All
1: right. I could ask a question about the capital allocation. How do you decide which projects, maybe within the company, to finance and how do you finance them? How do you do the mix between debt and equity? Do you have specific finances that you already have pre agreements with them so that you go to them if you're financing a new project?
0: Our capital allocation is also based on the future cash flows we need for different aspects. We are constantly setting up new projects and we rank their profitability or their return profile based on what we are trying to unrock. We would do the business case and uh, Vipingo itself as an investment uh, committee uh, of the board, we present those opportunities. You might have three or four uh, new projects you present to the IC and depending on the return uh, profile, and the cash requirement, they either get approved to move to implementation and get their capital allocation, or together they are dropped. The other projects where the return is not as key, but they are critical in unrocking a project, like say the desalination plant, it was critical to unrock the industrial component because you need to provide water which is a critical input. There is that decision in allocating that capital. But also we are a business that must generate a return every year and pay our shareholders dividends. We also have to allocate capital on projects that give us recurrent cash flow or an annuity. So at at the end of the year, we have a reward to our shareholders. So those are the considerations. We have not gone back to ask for money from Centum since we set up. And we don't intend to go back.
1: A quick question that has come through is, of the 10,000 acres, which are common space and like which is the land that is actually available for sale?
0: With the development, there's a master plan that has been set up. There are portions of land that will be taken up by road or infrastructure, which is up to 20%, 30% maximum of that land. In practical terms of the 8,000 acres, the actual developable land, is around 5,600 acres, because for every portion, you need to have a road, you need to have a utility corridor, you need to have parks. So what is really developable is 5,600 acres. What's the valuation on this land on its own, like ever since you took it up? I need to check the the, the actual numbers. But when we started, I think the NAV was 6B. And today it's at uh, 15 billion. So, over the period we've uh, created 9 billion of value, but I can quickly reference what what the actual numbers are.
1: I know mistakes within real estate projects can actually be pretty costly. Are there any mistakes you'd want to share that you may have seen? I've made in the process that we learned from them in terms of making developments which can also help future real estate developers so that not to repeat the same mistakes so that they can uh, be better at it
0: yeah i would call the mistakes or lessons learned by different uh, developers one is the validation are you developing a product that uh, the market is really interested in or is it a theory that you have that will build and they will buy some developments that are done without taking uh, deep insights to validate. The other one is starting a project that is not fully funded. You just have the equity component, you've not crossed on debt. What that uh, does to the project is that at some point, if the contractor is moving too quickly, you will be raising IPCs and you cannot honor them. The other one is uh, starting developments on uh, RAND that is not fully secured. you started construction, you have a sale agreement, but you really did not cross the RAND acquisition. That tends to pose challenges down the line. The other one is starting projects where approvals are not fully secured. Then that gives you challenges down the line that the project is underway but stuck because approvals were not secured. Then the other one is the execution partner. You might get a contractor but maybe he didn't have the ability to execute or his financial capability was not there or he did not manage his supply chain. So midway, the project is stuck for no fault of your own. I think all these things can be cured if you have a development checklist and conditions that must be met before you start. So you have a checklist on approvals that you will not start construction unless you have all the approvals and they are listed that the project will not start or will not make contractual commitments unless you have secured debt, equity, funding. The project is fully funded. You will also not start unless you are very thorough on your due diligence with the contractor, that they have the cash flows and that they have uh, the supply chain sorted. If they're importing anything, that is checked. And then you have a project implementation team. Most of the pro- some of the projects have not team members really to follow up in other developments. So you don't know if you're on track, you're behind schedule, or you're ahead of schedule, and what the cost is. If you have a project management office that does that tracking, and lastly, you should regularly monitor your progress and sort of have a business review every month or so. I think that will then mitigate the risk of uh, not completing the project. And also bring back the confidence to the market that developers uh, are serious and once they start, they will finish.
1: Speaking of confidence, um, I know there are public cases of companies having issues, especially with investors, maybe promising some yields and returns and not getting them. So how do you maintain that trust with investors yourself? And who are your target profile of the investors that you have out there? And how do you market to them? What channels are you using to reach out to them?
0: Okay, thank you. I will start with the with the confidence on the market. I think part of it is a communication. We communicate so regularly with our now 550 customers. We sort of have a personal relation with them. Each of our sales or staff members has their own set of customers. We keep you updated by weekly. You get photos of uh, where we are, practically this week, where we are end month. We have uh, monthly detailed updates that we share with customers. That way, they are well informed of how the project is uh, proceeding. And if there are any changes, they don't come as a surprise. But where a project, someone is not communicating to the investors or the homeowners, then they are not aware of what is happening. And if there is a shock, then they panic. Then we also super hands-on on execution. We keep the project really on track and that's why we've been able to deliver all these projects despite covid ahead of schedule and below sort of to answer how we've uh, tried to maintain our reputation and credibility then our customers uh, range from a wide segment we have nairobi which happens to have the the bulk of the customers we have the kenyans in diaspora there's a sizable diaspora in the u.s in UK and Australia, we do road shows there, but now because of COVID, that has slowed down. So our profile of customers is uh, 60% Nairobi, 10% Mombasa, 20% Diaspora, and another 10% various uh, nationalities. Our channel of communication is we've done print media. I think you've seen us quite a number of times on the Rocco days. We've done radio, TV, social media. But uh, how we target our customer is uh, we define our product. We price the price that is competitive. We work backwards on the rent. How much rent can we achieve? What will be the possible rental yield for the person investing? And what is the price point at which we can construct so that as we create value, we share the value with everyone. We share value with the customer, we share value with the person who will come and be the end user, and we also share the same value with our our shareholders.
1: I should say that we've posted the latest on the Fipingo Investor Update from August. It's a good report to have a look at. In the closing eight minutes, I wanted to ask you more personal questions. I know you've been to Harvard. How
0: was it being at Harvard and uh, how did that
1: shape your, maybe your thinking
0: about business? Yeah, thank you for that. I did a, a management program there and it had everyone across the world from every continent. It was one year, six months program. It gave me confidence because I saw the challenges people are having in Japan, the people are having in Australia, and these are successful real estate developers in the UK, in the US, are the same ones. And the real estate development is practically the same. It gave me confidence that what we are doing is, is what is being done out there. And also, it gave me the confidence and the reasons that the development process we are following up is the same that is being done globally. So we are there. What is not there is the depth of the market. It's not big and scale is not there. But also it gives you the perspective of what the future would look like as the market grows. That what you think is big here is not worth mentioning at scale. If you compare with a developer from another part of the world. But if the market grows, then you can see the upside will be significant. Those are the main lessons I, I I drew from there, and they gave us confidence uh, to execute these projects, knowing what we are following is a uh, world class, and the challenges are the same everywhere. Yes,
1: we close. So can you paint for us a, a picture of the next steps at Vipingo, and perhaps what you would see as a good future for? Both Vipingo and the Kenyan real estate market. I'll
0: start with the impact really on the community there. When we started, there were bright and needy kids from the community area who ended their schools at uh, class eight, having scored uh, 380, uh, 400 marks, but the, because of the poverty, they were not able to go to school. We've allowed those uh, kids. Most of them, at least 250 kids to join uh, high school, national schools across the country. The first lot finished Form 4. Some of them, the ones who scored A's, have been working with us, just giving them a practical job experience. And now they have gone to campus. But I see those as becoming the engineers, the architects, and even the CEOs of Ipingo in future. And they will change the entire community in that area. I think that's a significant impact that uh, we cannot ignore and we feel proud about. We also, with this construction and completion of 500 units, that has created a number of jobs that were not there within Vipingo, which has made the area to be quite vibrant in terms of the income levels and the economic activity. Then we've trained the youths and equipped them with the employable skill set in construction. And now they are working around the project. The project has brought uh, a lot of transformation in Kirifi area. I'm proud to speak about that. I think the future is bright. If you deliver and keep your word, that has been demonstrated by Vipingo. I don't think there are many developers who have gotten 500 customers within the last two years who have taken up their units. If we keep the the same momentum and track, then there will be more investors and customers coming to us. I think there is enough demand. And if there is funding, if if the banks could avail funding to, or if the capital market could find ways of getting funding for the projects and for end users, then there is a lot of opportunity in real estate. And I'm confident about the outlook. All right, I'll give you a chance to give you a closing words. Mine is a sincere appreciation to all these listeners who sacrificed their Friday to listen to our Vipingo story. Thank you. And to thank uh, Mwango Capital for inviting us. And to... Wish you a good evening and a bright future ahead. Thank you, Ken, for joining us today. I hope to see you again. Thank you. And anyone who is listening, if you happen to be at the Coast Region, please feel free to visit the project. We'll teach you a thing or two. We share and create value. How can people reach you and your team at Vipingo? Because they are on Twitter. I think for now that would be the quickest way to reach us. All right, let's close there. Thank you so much. Bye-bye for now.